You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Let's Pharmanize, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Shane Garrison. I'm Mickey Ferguson. I'm Justin Frederick. And I'm Cal Vandegrift. Today, we've got something special planned for you. We're doing something a little bit different. (laughs) We're doing a new special type of episode we're calling Pop Culture Potpourri, where we're all going to talk about something a little bit different, a different aspect of pop culture. We've got Lord of the Rings on the table today, Resident Evil series, and Dread, the movie and comic book series. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to what we've got for today. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. You guys excited? Woo! That was... (laughs) That was... (laughs) was good. Okay. So we're... Yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Justin, you're up first. Sounds good. Let's dive right in. So, for my segment, I thought I brought in something a little different. Most people kind of remember me as the Marvel guy that does our Let's Marvelize segments, but this time I'm going to switch gears a little bit and go straight into a different big fandom in the world, and that's the Lord of the Rings series. And something that kind of caught my eye that was addressed to me by Shane was actually talking about something from the movies that didn't get a lot of attention, but I think we should take a little look at ourselves. And that's the Lembus bread from both the books and the movies. So Lembus bread, also known as whey bread or elven bread in the common speech, is a very nutritious bread that stayed fresh for months when wrapped in malorn leaves and was used as sustenance for long journeys. Lembus, elvish whey bread. One small bite is enough to fill the stomach of a grown man. It's light brown on the outside and cream colored on the inside. So sometimes it's been described to look like literally a vanilla wafer. But Mm. this this special food has been passed down through the ages from house to house of the high elves. So in The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, looking at the movie here, Galadriel, played by Kate Blanchett, you know, the one that played as Thor's sister in Ragnarok, uh, (laughs) she, (laughs) she gives the Fellowship a large stone of it for their journey to Mordor. Now, let's get down to what makes this food such a superpower that I've been talking about for a little bit now. What makes this food really a superfood is how filling it is. It's said to be more filling than any food made by man. In the extended edition of the Fellowship of the Ring, Legolas, you know, the bow guy that for years we thought had a magic spell on him so he could never run out of arrows. This guy describes Lembus to Marion Pippin saying, one small bite is enough to fill the stomach of a grown man. Something that I find quite interesting about this bread is that if an orc were to eat the bread, they would die immediately Whoa. as if they were poisoned. Hmm. Is that in the books? It's actually in the books. It's confirmed that any person, whether they're elves, man, hobbits, if they eat it, they are full within one bite. But if anyone from Mordor, whether they're goblins, orcs, you name it, they would die instantly, which is why this food was actually used as a weapon by elven assassins. I don't usually hold a foreign food, but this other stuff, it's not bad. What about an Orokai? Because they were formerly elf. Same thing. Because the orcs were tortured and kind of mutilated basically under Sauron's reign. Mm-hmm. So even though they used to be elves, because of their transformation, for lack of a better word, into creatures that they are, they're now 
creatures of darkness. Okay. So yeah. they would die too. So the whole like background information from Lord of the Rings is like there is like a, a monotheistic god and there's like a bunch of angels and stuff and one of them betrays him and then one of his followers ends up being Sauron and then everyone that's corrupted under Sauron has like the corrupted effects. So like the orcs, okay. the orcai. Yeah, and the god that you're talking about that was the servant was Sauron was actually Morgoth. So and basically any description of him basically looks like the Balrog. People remember him, that giant fire demon from Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, mm-hmm. Bridge of Khazad-dun. I love that scene. Yeah, the one where uh, Gandalf splits the bridge, right? Yeah. You shall not pass. Fly, <laughs> you fools. See, I remember the movies in bits and pieces, but I read through the books. Yeah, I started Fellowship, the book. I've read The Hobbit in, like, middle school. Yeah, The Hobbit's really easy That's to get my, through. And it's my I favorite. know who Bilbo Baggins is. <laughs> <laughs> But I started reading Fellowship actually this summer, and I mm-hmm. just kind of like it got away from me because we were on vacation at the time. I should keep reading it. It's it's an interesting read. Oh yeah, it's better to like lightly read it instead of like trying to push through it because after two or three chapters in a row, it does get kind of draggy. It's dense. Yeah, yeah. it's very dense. A lot of stuff that's in the books is not in the movies, so mm-hmm. it can, it get really dense sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did a good job cutting that book down, even though the movies are still ungodly long. (laughs) So describe to me a little bit more about this food, because I'm thinking, like you said, it's wrapped in some leaves. Yeah. It's like a bread. So I'm thinking this is some like sweet ass like tamales or something like that that these guys are bringing around. It's yeah, it's actually just in the at least in the movies, it is literally a bread just a loaf of bread but as kind of i mentioned before how it's described in the books is almost like a wafer yeah or so it's light so it's light brown on the outside and kind of cream colored on the inside well, is there any the, the, yelp the, reviews on this i think <laughs> any looks, yelp reviews on appetizing the bread? i mean to me it really? looks pretty good and it, it, it looks like a, like a compact loaf of bread it does look like it a does. square wafer exactly like a big square vanilla wafer it's literally like a square wafer but kind of a little bit fatter a little bit and that's as basically the description goes. But you do bring a good point that one thing that I found interesting is how if any regular person eats it, they basically are full. One bite and they're full. But yeah, if somebody who's from like an orc or under the tainting of Morgoth or Sauron, they die instantly. A lot of people have reason to believe that Tolkien, who is a Roman Catholic, they thought he based Lembus bread off the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. From Christian services because it's the body of Christ, so it should be filling to a person's soul. But if a demon were to consume it, it makes sense that they would be harmed by it. Yeah, that's actually a good one. I would not have made that comparison. That's interesting. That was one of the things that kind of came to my mind. I was like, huh. So I did a little digging, and people actually thought the same thing. But no one really knows for sure where he got the Lembus bread from. Another idea of inspiration was that Tolkien based it off of 18th century sailors who would uh, have this kind of MRE, for lack of better description, an MRE, which is a meal ready to go, or meal ready to eat, which is very dry, but yet and it only lasts. cool when you're 12 years old. <laughs> only cool when you're 12 years yeah, old. I would never eat an MRE now, but back in those days, exactly. like, oh, this <laughs> is awesome. You've eaten an MRE? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah, they're, I've eaten an MRE. They're okay. It, I think there's like one veggie one that's just absolutely ungodly, and then the rest are fine. Where do you get them? Supply store. Yeah, just like, like a, a mill store. Military surplus store. store. Okay. Yeah. 
and they last for months. So people, years, years, yeah, forever. Even, exactly. So many people thought maybe that's where he got Lembus from too, since the elves say to only eat Lembus when there's no other source of food. Suggest, and you got to tell me a little bit more about how they make this bread here, because I'm Ooh. thinking like, I don't even know the process, but I'm just yeah. envisioning like a, like a really nutritious bullion cube that you would just like pop in a soup, but it's actually, you just eat it in this case. That's actually a very interesting question, Kyle, because the actual process, the recipe for making Lembus bread is actually very, very kept under wraps by the high elves. It's been passed down from house to house dating all the way back. I don't want to get into the Silmarillion because that's when yeah. everything goes out of proportion. <laughs> what is this? The Coca-Cola recipe? Pretty much. Literally. Doing? Like they don't. They could uh, make a business out of this. <laughs> high elves could be like Donald Trump level of money they could have they, on this. It's just so close to their culture that they don't give it out to other people. It's very symbolic for them. So they really don't give out the recipe to anyone. Plus high elves will literally outlast all of you. So that too. Money so. is not a concept to them. <laughs> <laughs> but... Let's talk about the superpower of, or about Lembus bread for a second. Like, I just mentioned how this thing in one bite can fill a full grown man. So imagine that's basically eating 20 McChickens in one bite. <laughs> <laughs> so, to Middle Earth, this might be considered magic, but for us in reality, this is really kind of, we can explain that with science. So today we have weight loss drugs that act to boost a person's satiety and, or state of being full. And so just this past year, on December 14th of 2020, the FDA approved liraglutide, marketed under the brand name Saxenda, for chronic weight management in pediatric patients aged 12 and over who are obese based on specific BMI cutoffs for age and sex. Okay, um, so it's pediatrics that you're referring to. Yeah, because it's been... It's been out, yeah, back in 2014, it was approved for adults, but just last year, 2020, they approved it now for pediatric patients. Well, it's the same ingredient as Victoza, and that's been approved for kids for a while now, but mm -hmm. now they, they've added, that was just, just for diabetes. Just indication. And now yeah. they've got the indication of weight loss for children too, that's interesting. Exactly. And the way Loractide works, as a glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist, or GLP-1 agonist, is that it activates the GLP-1 receptors located on the hypothalamus of the brain, which is responsible for our sense of appetite. And so by activating these receptors, it induces a state of satiety so patients feel full quicker. So if we apply this to the fantasy world of Middle Earth, one could say that Lembus acts on the brain in the same manner in a very potent way just like liraglutide awesome mm, that, i think that's a really good that is analysis. interesting although the only catch would have to be the fact that glp1 agonists are injections yeah <laughs> so you're not injecting this lembus bread i thought, but I thought we there had is one glp1 agonist there is one that is oral and it's ribelsis mm. and it's because it's got a special component uh, the snack do you guys remember the SNAC? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, I think it just helps it get past the stomach acid. I could be wrong. I didn't look into the mechanism. but that's And that's semaglutide. So that's the same thing that's in Ozempic. And that is the only oral one. And it's just as clinically efficacious as the injectable one. But it comes with a much greater reported incidence of nausea and vomiting than the injection, obviously. Because it's, you know, you're taking a pill. But then you have the 
then you don't have to inject yourself however mm -hmm. so yeah, often. Kind so there's kind that of the benefit. Way the risk and benefit. Yeah. So I was thinking it could be filled with more of like a fentermine based drug. Hmm. Because if it's oral, I mean, ribelsis, it's a good point to make. Yeah. But, I mean, ribelsis isn't indicated for weight loss like Saxenda is. So I was thinking about more fentermine based. Now, fentermine works by releasing a lot of norepinephrine and kind of like stimulates your fight or flight. So you don't, so as soon as you eat something, it'll turn on fight or flight. Sure. So you're going to get a little wired when you take fentermine, but you're not going to be hungry anymore. That's how it increases satiety. So does this Lembus bread have any sort of superpower beyond that? Like, is, are, are they popping this bread and they're like, yeah, let's go. Ooh, not, not that far. I mean, that brings a good point. That would probably be pretty cool. But no, it actually doesn't. It's more just st strictly speaking satiety. You have one bite, you're ready to go, which is why the elves safe to only use this when you have like no other food left so that you can ration it off. And that's what Frodo and Sam do throughout the entire trilogy is that they literally only had this Lembus bread. They had no other food oh. with them. What food have we got left? Well, let me see. Oh yes, lovely. Lembus bread. And look, more Lembus bread. And I can't I imagine it's very nutritious. I wonder if that's why Gollum didn't eat any because they yeah. like offered him some and he was yep. like, nasty. And he, he <laughs> that was good. You think so? That, that was, was pretty good. good. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. And then like he wouldn't eat any because he was evil. Exactly. Got, like, he had been tainted the by the one ring for centuries, over 400 years. Yeah. So that's why he couldn't eat it or else he would have died. Yeah, yeah, that's always a side effect. I forgot about the rings is they do increase your lifespan by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bilbo being one of them, he lived much longer than even the typical uh, hobbit because of how long he had the one ring for over 60 years. Yeah. I could carry the ring. I wouldn't be corrupted by it. I would totally be corrupted by the ring in like four <laughs> seconds. I'd be like, I'm invisible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof. I don't even need the ring. I just need whatever bread you're talking about. I could lose a couple pounds. That'd be nice. <laughs> but you do bring up a good point about like a food that gives you that vigor and that full of energy because another i guess not really food but substance from the lord of the ring series also brings um the exact same kind of effect and that was the grog that orcs drink yeah, here we go. and guys their liquor now before i get into it believe it or not grog is not what you think so, in the extended edition of Lord of the Rings Two Towers, I know, why is all the cool lore stuff happening in the extended deleted scenes? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, maybe it wasn't in the budget. Most people just don't care about the ingredients <laughs> of grog, but I mean, hey. But, so, in the, that extended edition, when Merry and Pippin are being carried by the orcs going all the way to Isengard, we all know the meme. Yeah. The orc, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. We all know that meme. Even oh. Orlando Bloom knows that meme. Even Orlando yeah. Bloom knows that meme. <laughs> Mary attempts to fake a severe dehydration, and the Urukai, the tall orc dudes, they give him quote unquote medicine. And and they cruelly laugh when Mary is just retching, drinking this liquid that in the films it almost looks like a kind of dirty wine. Yeah, it's nasty. And, and he kind of retches drinking it, and they just cruelly laugh, claiming the hobbit, quote, can't hold his grog. <laughs> now, freeze frame. This is actually a misnomer. Confirmed by the books. So grog, and even the term grog, is actually an 18th century British term for a rum-based drink diluted with water given to sailors. Mm -hmm. And so today, though, the term is used loosely for basically any alcoholic drink, whether diluted or not. And so in the world of Middle Earth, the term grog is just 
generally used to identify orc liquor with kind of that British sailor talk. Mm, okay. And to even confirm this even more, if you look at the video game adaptations, specifically Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor, Grog was drunk by the orcs to keep morale high or to celebrate a captain, a war chief, or just a successful hunt. Now, doesn't that sound sailorish to you guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what really is in this drink, believe it or not, is not clearly defined in the books. Tolkien does not say what is actually in Grog. <laughs> Poor loco. That's in the extended, extended version. <laughs> yes. that it was never released. <laughs> It's just a recipe book, actually, is what the extended, extended release is. <laughs> but I believe the reason why Grog got such a bad reputation is, A, because it was diluted liquor, and mm-hmm. diluted liquor never tastes good. But also because they would use the same barrels, whether they were doing um, the navel rum, which is really, really sweet, like molasses rum, or if they were doing gin, or if they had, like, tequila they had stolen from other merchant ships that they had run across. So they usually just, like, mixed it all in the same barrels, like, once they were empty. So you got, like, mm. rum-tasting tequila mixed with, like... <laughs> sounds like the drink you made. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Powerade. <laughs> See, so, like I said before, when we think of grog, is it really orc drink or just orc jungle juice? <laughs> it's probably orc jungle juice. <laughs> but what is described in the books, though, is an orc liquor that, going to what you are saying, Cal actually bestowed not only a burning sensation, but it renewed strength and even endurance. So when Mary actually drank it, it, he felt all the pain in his legs and his ankles vanish. He could literally stand. Hmm. Sounds like brandy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you drink brandy, you get some superpowers. When you feel that warmth, I don't know, man. (laughs) And so Mary thinks it tasted nasty. And so Tolkien says... In the books, that the hobbits rather not know what's actually in it. Yeah. And I literally scoured, like, the books. I literally went through the internet. Like, there truly is no description of what's actually in Grog. Mm. Tolkien kind of just left it to our imagination, really. So it's brandy. (laughs) For all we know, it could be brandy. In, In my opinion, I think it's just jungle juice. It's almost got like opioid characteristics with its ability to like yeah, reduce to pain. Re- yeah, reduce pain uh, a little bit. I kind of thought that it might have some form of amphetamine in there. Mm. Yeah, it could just be like a complete mashup of all the random stuff yeah. the orcs found along the way. Just like opiates, amphetamines, caffeine, alcohol. I need some of that. Uh, get me through a long lecture. Just all the chems at once and fall out. Yeah. All right, man. That was good stuff. You want to rate ratings? I mean, mine is unrateable, so. Oh, all right, then fine. I guess we'll move on. That was good stuff. I really yeah, like, I like that. that. Yeah. I mean, I, if I had to rate it, I would rate it on as close to realistic, really. Yeah. At least in terms of the Lumbus. The Grog, that one's unrateable because we don't even know what's in it. Yeah, well, it fits in the, its own lore, so I, yeah, like, I yeah. like, yeah, I'd eat Lumbus bread. I'd try it. Yeah, Lumbus definitely, I kind of would rate kind of high up there. I'd sip on some Grog. I, I'd taste it. <laughs> I'd give it a try. All right. Let's change gears. Have you guys seen any of the Dread movies, or are you guys familiar with the comics at all? Comics, yes, and I saw the Carl Urban one. Okay, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's, um, that's what most this is going to be about, mostly. Only familiar with the comics. Okay. Not even anything. So, well, I'll give you guys a little bit of a uh, summary, I guess. So, 
Judge Dredd is a comic book franchise about a dystopian future where the entire eastern seaboard of North America is occupied by a massive, sprawling metropolis called Megacity One. Within this massive, crime-ridden city, the only thing that stands between peace and utter chaos are the judges. The judges are a special branch of judicial police who hold total authority as judge, jury, and executioner. In addition to the long-running comic series, there have been two movies, one from 2012 with Carl Urban, which I saw, and one from 1995 with Sylvester Stallone, which nobody saw. I enjoyed the 2012 version with Carl Urban. I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. Action, violence, badass one-liners. Hot shot. Carl Urban's always great. He was in Lord of the Rings. Yes, he was. Who did he, what was his character's name? He played as Aemir. That's right, yeah. He had beautiful hair. He was one of the writers of Rohan. However, it's obvious that with every dystopian movie, there is a dystopian drug. In Judge Dredd, it's slow-mo, a drug that induces euphoria and makes the user experience the world in slow motion. And it can't just be a pill you swallow, because that's not futury enough. (laughs) Slow-mo is an inhaler. And not just any inhaler, you can actually see the drug inside. It's two immiscible liquids, one clear and yellowish, and the other like an opaque dark red. Mm. It's not a homogenous liquid. It looks like a tiny lava lamp. Mm. Definitely something you'd want to inhale, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Of course. That means that one of the substances, probably the dark red one, is an oil, and the other one's going to be like uh, water-based, which is not a good thing to inhale at all. And when the user does inhale it, the high is euphoric, but it's brief. It only lasts, or it seems to last for like a few minutes. But the user, you're right. (laughs) But the user experiences this time at 1% speed. So it could be hours for them. And everything they see is imbued with this vibrant pearlescent glow, like if someone made a Lisa Frank Snapchat filter. (laughs) Y'all know Lisa Frank? No, I don't. don't You know know Lisa Frank. If you Google it, you'll recognize it from elementary school. Anyway. A study came out from the Journal of Neuroscience in 2014 that showed indisputable links between our perception of time and the GABA neurotransmitter. There's been lots of studies on people's perception of time over the decades, and we've known that about we've known about GABA agonists' ability to impair visual function and slow neurophysiological response to stimuli, and that is to slow reflexes. What we've discovered more recently is that there is a direct correlation between increased GABA in the visual cortex and a tendency to underestimate the duration of stimuli. That's pretty cool to me. Obviously, if you wanted to make a recreational drug out of this, the first thing I'd think of is GABA. You've got GABA-A and GABA-B being the two major classes of GABA receptors. GABA-A are ionotropic, meaning that they activate the opening or closing of ion channels, changing the inner outflow of ions into the cell, usually very quickly triggering synapse firing. GABA-B is metabotropic, meaning activation of the receptor usually triggers a signal transduction mechanism, often G-proteins, then set off a cascade of intracellular events with a lot of downstream messenger signals, usually a little bit slower. That's a bit of an overgeneralization, but you get the idea. So I would propose that if you were to make slow-mo, it would be a derivative of mucimol, which is one of the psychoactive compounds derived from the Amanita muscaria, or fly agaric. Oh, God. Does that sound familiar? I only know that one from uh, Elder Scrolls IV. I think that one, which one was four? It was the one right before Skyrim. Oblivion? Yeah, Oblivion. 
Yeah. Because yeah. that was like super common. You yeah. could make they're a bunch in, of cool stuff out of it. Yeah, they're in Skyrim too, or uh, Ammonita is at least. Which, if you're not familiar with it, is a highly psychedelic mushroom. And it's the classic red capped with the white spots. Yeah. I know you've seen like mm-hmm. these in pop culture or, mm-hmm. or just reading about them and stuff. Minecraft. Are they in Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah, they are in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have any psychoactive abilities if I you don't consume think they do. them in Minecraft. You can make a stew I think that would bump no, up the ESRB yes rating yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So they're actually very different from the psilocybins, which we've discussed on the show before. They're not related to those at all. Instead of being serotonergic like psilocybins, musmol are highly GABAergic. In fact, it's highly specific for GABA-A, which produces sedative, hypnotic, and anticonvulsant properties. Musimol already being highly selective, all you need to do is make it a little more potent, which one way you could do that is by fluorinating it, and this would make the molecule a little more caustic too. Yeah, I saw yeah. your face, Mickey, yeah. Which, if you're inhaling in either a gas or a vapor, would potentially do some nasty stuff to your membranes. Yeah. Definitely. And that's good, because in the movies, some of the people who use slow-mo are shown to have burns in and around their mouth, huh. like inside their mouths and on mm. their cheeks, too, or on their lips. Hmm. So aerosolized musimol. Oh, so by the way, the fluorinating, they, they do that for like a lot of drugs, like atorvastatin is fluorinated just to increase its potency. Same with Crestor. So for a lot of drugs, if you fluorinate it and they're oral, you're okay. If yeah. you fluorinate it and it's IM, IV, mm, sub-Q, that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's why like I think that that little bit of added like... I don't know. I thought it was cool because it makes sense with like the burns. Mm-hmm. So aerosolized musimol, maybe some opioid thrown in for good measure. That's my theory for slow-mo. However, it should be noted that the comics after the movie included a little backstory on slow-mo saying that it's an LSD derivative, which I do not like because LSD is serotonergic and not mm-hmm. GABAergic. So whoever wrote that comic is mistaken. And this is now canon. I insist. I have declared it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I think Carl Urban would agree with me. And... There you have it. The truth behind slow-mo, the fictional drug of dread. So I have a question about the mushroom. Yeah. Is this the one that is also like extremely like muscarinic acting or is that a different one? Oh, no, I think of? that's this too. No, this one's dead. That would, that would make sense because it's, it's Ammonita muscaria. So yeah. maybe that's the origin. But yeah, I, I didn't look into that, but I think you're right. Yeah, because there was like a case we did like P1 year mm-hmm. where we had to do one on like mushroom poisoning. And I think it was that one. Yeah. But I'm not 100% sure. I actually did like a little bit of extra reading and I tried to find information on like an antidote for poisoning. And I couldn't really find anything concrete. Like there's no, at least I couldn't find that there was one. But I, as far as I know, there's no like single antidote for um, mucimol overdose or amidito muscaria overdose. Okay. Because for muscarinic poisoning you can just give them anti-muscarinics right anti-cholinergics i just remember us talking about us uh, like two people that they're found and rushed to the emergency room after like licking a toad or something like that (laughs) am i the only one that remembers that um you might be that doesn't sound familiar (laughs) that was definitely i think i think redacted was the one who talked about it okay yeah that sounds about right Mm -hmm. i'm just this must have been children i can't imagine two Two grown adults licking a frog and thinking that was a good idea. Trying to get high off licking yeah, a toad. People get high off that. What? Yeah, you can get high off. Oh, you didn't know that. You can't just do drugs like a normal person. It's it's big in like um, some Native American yeah. cultures, I yeah. think. Rainforest countries, yeah, just typically. I don't know, dude. Just smoke some weed, eat some peyote. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. I don't need to be going around licking frogs. So anyway, let's let's get into it. So, how familiar is everyone with Resident Evil? As- Very. 
Okay, so very. Very. Um, isn't that the one with that really tall lady? The new game? Yes. Lady yeah. Dimitrescu? Yeah. This is the general trend of lady. today, I suppose, but I don't <laughs> I know anything about this. I thought it was Dimitrice. I thought Dimitri. that, like, the... It was, like, something. The, I don't, I don't the know. The writers came out, and they were like, it's Dimitrice. I don't, I don't know. Based on, like, the language of Isn't or, it, like, origin. in some, like... I don't know, somewhere in Europe or something, I think the game is set. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've not played the new Resident Evil game, but I wanted to talk about the T-Virus, so like the OG zombie virus from the Resident Evil universe. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of like supplemental material that's not in like the movies or the video games, but they are in the books. Now, I don't know if any of you have read the books, but there's like a bunch of them and like half of them are hot garbage. <laughs> but they're useful if you want to know more about the lore. And what really struck me as I was reading through some of the books was they sort of describe the symptoms of the T-virus and its onset in pretty lengthy detail. So first, it's either airborne or waterborne. So you can catch it either through droplets or through bodily fluids. And it has very slow onset for a virus. So you know how you, let's take the flu for example, how long do you think it takes for flu symptoms to manifest before? 72 hours or something? Yeah, 72 hours. In the first game, there's a a diary from one of the people who's exposed to the T-virus and it takes like, oh, I think like 10 to 14 days for it to actually start producing any effects. Wow. And even at that point, the symptoms are super mild. Just like, Generally, like, itching, feeling, like, kind of run down. Prodromal stuff. Yeah, stuff you wouldn't really think would be a problem. And then you start getting the really bad symptoms where it's, like, you're extremely irritable. You're agitated all the time. You start to become violent. You start to lose your vision and, like, your skin starts to fall off. And at that point, it's too late. You're, you're basically already gone. And then you start losing mental functions and then you become uncontrollably violent. Um and basically develop sort of like rabies-like symptoms. But the books really made an interesting point to sort of analogize it to real-world viruses, and I wanted to kind of explore that for a little bit. They said it most closely resembled rabies virus, but with a side of histoplasmosis. Now, are any of you familiar with histoplasmosis? No, I feel like... Vaguely. I'm actually not. I won't, I won't, I won't front. Okay, so but you guys know what rabies is, like yeah, hydrophobia, yeah, ad- irritable mood, uh, photosensitive. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, kills perfect. you if you get it. It's so what happened to um, that dog in that movie. <laughs> Don't know, I am legend. No, right? no not I am legend. Old Yeller. Old Yeller. Old Yeller. Yeah, oh. and then there's another one like where the red fern grows. Didn't or did they just die? Dog. No, they. I think they just died. Okay, Old Yeller had rabies. Any movie was with like a dog in it. Kid. I, I There's two dogs in Where the Red Fern Grows. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they both die. Yeah, they both die. Yeah. I, remind me never to watch that movie ever. I don't. <laughs> I, the I've Red ne- Fern Grows. I've never seen it, but I don't want to watch it. Was it was a really good book. I had a hard time watching Old Yeller. Uh, one of my only experience with Where the Red Fern Grows ever was when I was running the drive-through. It's redacted. <laughs> and some lady comes up and she's listening to Where the Red Fern Grows on audiobook and she is crying. Yeah, and it sounds like I, it. I guess it was towards the end because I, I vaguely remember somebody talking about like burying them like up on this old hill. Oh, is that, does that happen in the book? No. Yeah, that's yeah. where the red fern grows. Is where the dogs were buried. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that makes mm-hmm. that's the name of the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh, yeah, no. but she was just like weeping, and I like I've... looked at her. And she was like, "This part always gets me." <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> I'm good. Any any movie with like uh, a dog in it, I'm like, you kill that dog. I'm walking out of this theater. 
So don't watch I Am Legend then with Will Smith. Oh my god. Crying for, like god. a baby for 10 yep. minutes with I that. I don't care about Will Smith at all. Dog dying like a baby. And it was a German Shepherd too. It was for me. Shepherd, it was like, yeah. And also Where the Red Fern Grows was German Shepherd. So. Oh, oh, you could watch Clifford, the Clifford movie. <laughs> I don't sure think Clifford die. ever gets killed. Yeah. I don't think he can be killed. Oh, no, no one they, can stop They him. try. No, yeah. It's going to be like Pacific Rim 3. It's going to be like <laughs> just, just Clifford. <laughs> but interesting note, um, animals can actually contract the T-virus as well. Okay. So this is a sort of a weird, um, so like, totally fictional quirk of the I virus is like it jumps species like constantly, which is not something that viruses typically do. Oh, kind of yeah. like zombievers. Yes. Have you seen zombievers? I have not, but that sounds amazing. It's, it is. It actually sounds just like I Am Legend because that's why you had to kill the dog. True. Yeah, and then also in the video game adaptations, you see kind of the T-virus jumping from dogs to bats, bats, uh, gators at some point. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think gators, gators too. Uh, yeah. So typically, viruses they can jump species, but it takes a lot of different exposures and a lot of mutations for them to cause symptoms in different species, and they rarely cause the same symptoms. Interesting. Uh, but the other half that they analogize it to is histoplasmosis. And the reason they do that is uh, it's more, I don't want to say like mentally related, but it can get into your lungs and it can get into your meninges and inflame the meninges. Okay. Hmm. But the other characteristic that I've seen for histoplasmosis is if you get it very badly or you're co-infected with another like bacteria or something else, your skin starts like sloughing off oh, wow. and you get Ugh. like really bad um, abscesses Ugh. as well. So, like, those two combined sort of give you the general, like, zombie formula. But the thing that always bothered me is, like, why did the zombies never, like, run out of energy? There was an accident. And everybody died. The trouble was, they didn't stay dead. It's like they don't... Yeah, that's the thing that always got me, is that you always see... Or at least, I think World War Z also kind of addressed this, how they never ran out of energy, but yet if they are in a area where it's just them and no one else that's infected, they become dormant. Like, they're not aggressive at all. They're just standing. Yeah, kind of yeah. like Army of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. That was that one, too. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's, it's decent. It's decent. It's fun. I think I'm thinking of Evil Dead. I've definitely seen Evil Dead 1 and 2. Which one's the one where they're in a mall and Ving Rhames is a cop? Is that Shaun of the Dead? No. no. Isn't that... That's the... Uh, oh, man. Isn't that the remake Day of the Dead? I think that was the remake. Or Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. That sounds right. I think so. Yeah. Um, Because George Romero did the first one. Mm -hmm. And then someone, wasn't it like Zack Schneider did the second one? Like the remake? Schneider? Schneider. I think I said Schneider. Schneider. I meant to say Schneider. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen, I'm not a big movie buff, but I have seen a lot of like zombie movies, like the George Romero one. Yeah. Uh, 28 Days Later. That's a good one. That 28 Days good. Later was really good. I don't like the movies with like the Olympic sprinter zombies. Yeah. Yeah. But you every would now not and again, like it's... Dawn of the Dead then. You'd hate, you'd hate Army of the Dead too. Oh. I mean, every once in a while, like especially if it's like not zombies, I'm cool with it. But if it's like, no, these are zombies and they're like Usain Bolt. Yeah. You ever played Nazi zombies? Uh, for, for Call of Duty? Yeah. I think I played it when Black Ops 1 was the thing. Oh, wow. I haven't, okay. I haven't played Call of Duty in a long time i'm kind of a boomer at this point <laughs> i remember i remember modern warfare one that's good stuff i remember playing call of duty Dude, 2 i remember modern warfare one call of duty 3 was the first one that i played i think that's the oldest i go yeah i don't play the older ones 
This is a this is a wild ride. So histoplasmosis, that's not a virus though, is it? That's no, a fungus. That's a, uh, yeah, it's a. Okay. I want to say it's a fungus. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's a fungus. It's a, it's a fungus. Yeah, the fungus among us. Which would sort of explain more of the longer lasting effects and a lot more of the cutaneous effects because yeah. funguses really do a number on skin. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're telling me. So I think as a general thing, <laughs> you could engineer a, like. An organism, I guess, or a combination of organisms to give you zombie-like symptoms. But the main issue is going to be, like, how do you keep them from dying very quickly? Because rabies virus kills you very quickly. Why can't I just take bath salts? You see, but then you still keep cognitive function. Mm. And then you get arrested. Yeah, Which but what if I eat the cops that are arresting me? Then they send more cops. But and then I, when you eat those cops too, and the cops that you were eating get a before become viruses in too. The Let's Farmanize podcast to take bath salts oh. with me. <laughs> okay, so we're we're going on a a, a cop eating cult. Got it. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about the T virus because I thought it was really interesting that they tried to parallel it with a couple of real life organisms. Yeah, that's always cool. Yeah. Like even if it's stuff. not like a perfect match. Yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, that's kind of interesting, especially it was like when we think about the T virus. A lot of people think of that super soldier kind of serum thing. And, and how it's like I um, most people get it and they have those symptoms but then you have like our main character or Mila Jovovich who suddenly becomes like superwoman <laughs> what's her name again was it like pronounced Mila Jovovich or isn't it Mila Jovovich I don't, I don't know <laughs> just talking about it like before I the thought... show I just remembered she was in the in the first movie and she was kind of like a cool character I guess she was in every single one. She's actually. been in like every movie. She's oh yeah, and she is Resident Evil. Evil. One, I think <laughs> the second, the th- yeah. I think the second and the third yeah. movies are my favorite out of the movie series, but the games. I she's mean, I the play Resident all. Advisor. She's <laughs> to evil. Yeah, to evil. So if there's a Resident Evil, is there an attending evil? <laughs> Intern evil. Intern evil. Preceptor evil. That's funny. That's good. Well done. That was good. Real like knee it. slapper there. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to keep up with our episodes and content. And special thanks to Kelly Kerr for making our music.